You're listening to the Hockey Podcast Network, your home for hockey talk covering every team in the NHL. New episodes every Monday. Download at thehockeypodcastnetwork.com or wherever you get your podcasts from. Welcome back to the Teledabs. It is podcast episode 38 on the Hockey Podcast Network and sponsored by DraftKings Sportsbook. Basketball teams are entering the final month of the regular season as they gear up for the playoffs. While some teams are locks to make the playoffs, others are still fighting for their opportunity to chase the most coveted trophy in basketball this summer. And DraftKings Sportsbook, America's top-rated sportsbook app, is putting you in the center of the action with a chance to turn $1 into $100 in free bets. All you have to do is pick any team to win their next basketball game, and if that team of your choosing hits just one three-pointer, you will bring home one. Hundred dollars. That is hundred to one odds on the team of your choosing to just hit a three-pointer. They don't even have to win. It's essentially just free money. All you've got to do is sign up for DraftKings Sportsbook now and choose any team to hit a three-pointer and just see a free one hundred dollars basically enter your account. DraftKings is safe, secure, and reliable, so you can deposit and withdraw your funds at your convenience. Plus. They have several other sports every single day, including hockey. So if you want to get yourself even more invested in the avalanche as we reach the heart of the home stretch, DraftKings Sportsbook is the place for you. Download the top-rated DraftKings Sportsbook app now and use promo code THPN when you sign up to turn $1 into $100 in free bets if the basketball team of your choosing hits a three-pointer. That's code THPN to turn $1 into $100 in free bets for a limited time only at DraftKings Sportsbook. So Colorado Avalanche finally back in action and plenty of action there was over these last two games. A lot has changed. Colorado Avalanche are officially in the Stanley Cup playoffs. They have mathematically clinched a spot. There is no way in hell they can possibly lose a spot. They've been in for weeks, but now they are officially, officially in. They've got the X by their name, prim and proper. They are in no matter what, and that comes off the heels of a 4-2 win over the St. Louis Blues in their first game back from the COVID pause. But they would drop their second matchup to the Blues 5-3 on Saturday for only their second regulation loss in, man, the last month and a half, ever since that crazy, crazy Arizona game where the Avalanche scored every single goal and lost the game. Since then, the Avalanche have gone 18-2-2. They have given up a grand total of six points over the last 22 games. And somehow, some way, that is still not enough because they are still going to have to fight tooth and nail 
not only to get first in the West at this rate with going toe-to-toe with Vegas, who has been feasting on all the terrible teams in this division, but Minnesota is now on a seven-game winning streak and is now one point behind the Avalanche. Granted, the Avalanche have two games in hand on both of them. If they win those two games in hand, they will be tied with Vegas, and Minnesota will just be nowhere close at that point. I'm not overly concerned about the Wild, but it is very frustrating to look at these standings when you just consider how well the team has been playing. And yes, they lost yesterday on Saturday to the Blues, for their second regulation loss this month. I will get to that game and cover it in a moment, but just Vegas has 70 points in 47 games. They are just ever so slightly ahead in points percentage just because they it's equal in points percentage right now. They have two ga- we have two games in hand on them. Even if we win them, we would just be tied with them at this rate. They've won 9 games in a row like I mentioned and like we talked about last episode and they have not slowed down one bit ever since we last talked they took down the sharks five to two and took down the ducks five to one and now they have three days off before they play the avalanche on wednesday next week the 28th that is just really frustrating but it does kind of even out when you look at the strength of schedule our our schedule left is we have the two more games against the blues is it two more games against st no one more game against St. Louis because we moved the Vegas game instead. So we have one more game against the Blues and two more games against the Golden Knights, four games against the Sharks, and four games against the Kings. The only team in the league with an easier schedule than that is the New York Islanders, who have one game left against the Washington Capitals and one game left against the Boston Bruins. Well, meanwhile, they get to pick on the Sabres, the Devils, and have some fun with the Rangers at the very end of the season. That is the only schedule easier than ours. I'm surprised that Carolina technically has a harder schedule. They're in 29th in terms of who has the hardest schedule, just barely ahead of us. They have no matchups against Tampa Bay or Florida left, so I don't know. Maybe they have a couple games against Nashville and Dallas who are closer, I guess, but it's such a minuscule difference. It doesn't matter. But looking at the rest of the West, specifically Vegas and Minnesota, Minnesota has two games left against Vegas and four games left against St. Louis. And Vegas has actually, in comparison, a pretty tough schedule compared to the rest of us. They have two games against the Avalanche, two games against the Wild, and two games against the St. Louis Blues. So six of their final games, they're going to be playing what are likely the playoff teams. Even if you take St. Louis out of that. They still have two games left against Arizona, but they feast on Arizona, so that ultimately doesn't matter. I still consider St. Louis above Arizona for very, very obvious reasons, but while Vegas is ahead of us right now, you look at their schedule. I mean, we talked about this last episode. Since their last loss, their last loss came on April 7th against the Blues, a 3-1 loss. They've really just feasted on the Coyotes, the Kings, the Ducks, and the Sharks. I mean, they had one close game in this stretch. Two of them, really. one nothing against Arizona and a 3-2 shootout win over the Sharks. The rest of them have been multi-goal wins, at least two on occasions four. 
they're just really beating up on all of those teams in their last nine games. So we'll see if they can continue that. I mean, they've done a great job, like we talked about, of beating up on those teams in the past. But it's just it's incredibly frustrating to look at the schedule and just look at the Avalanche's recent record and see that not only are we not in first, even though maybe we would be if there wasn't a pause, but the fact that we're even if we didn't have the pause, we'd probably be tied with Vegas right now. And just to look at that and see that we're not only fighting for that top spot, but now we're fighting to keep our home ice advantage in the first round over Minnesota. Like that's just that's ridiculous. This division has three good teams and the rest of them are terrible. I mean, it's so bad. It's so so bad. Minnesota is a good team. I will absolutely give them that this season. But if this is a regular season, would they ever in a million years be one point behind the Avalanche at like what would normally be around the halfway point of the season? I do not think so at all. Not one bit would they be like that. So the Avalanche, I still think they're going to get first in this division. And I think it's just looking a little skewed because of the pause, because we'd have some games against the Kings under our belt as well that I think would ultimately be wins. Maybe we still lose one to the Blues at this rate. Maybe we don't. Maybe we lose more. You never know. But it's just so annoying to look at. Like, really? We're 18-2-2 in our last 22 games, and we still are going to have to play all the way to the end of the season to get the top spot in this division and not only that if we take any kind of step back and go like 500 we might not even have home ice in the first round that's ultimately just kind of dumb but when you really look at the the remaining schedule two games against st louis one against the blues let's say let's be reasonable and say they go two and one in that stretch let's say they beat st louis on monday and split the final two games against Vegas. Really, when you go to those final, those eight final remaining games against the Sharks and the Kings, they really shouldn't be losing any of them. Maybe they lose one just because hockey and you lose games sometimes, as we'll talk about with the loss to the Blues in a second. But anything less than I'd say seven and one is just would be disappointing because that might ultimately be the difference between first and second. But Vegas and Minnesota playing each other is ultimately going to be good because as long as those games don't go to overtime, at least one of them is going to be held back in some sense. And the Avalanche, if they do their jobs against the Sharks and the Kings, can put some distance between at least one of them. I really don't see how they would fall out of second in the West unless Minnesota just stays blazing hot and continues to win every game. I mean, you look at their upcoming schedule they have a cozy three-day break right now i wish we could have some of that without it being covid related then they have a back-to-back against the blues the blues are desperate they'll be tough and then another one against the blues two against vegas then two should be layup wins against the ducks and a final two against the blues so they're not going to continue that winning streak forever i think they're going to cool off and still settle in to that third spot in the west and it's really just going to come down to Colorado and Vegas to end the season. But you can't help but look at this and be ridiculously frustrated. The Avalanche, with the loss to the Blues yesterday, 
were the final team to reach double-digit regulation losses at 10 regulation losses. We're at game 45, by the way. We have 31 wins and four overtime losses, and finally, with seven games pretty much left in the season. Is it seven? No, it's more than that. It's more like 11 games left in the season, but we just finally hit 10 regulation losses, and we're still having this fight for the division. It's just incredibly frustrating, but I don't think it's ultimately going to matter that much, unless Vegas just stays blazing hot throughout the season. We're going to get an answer, I think, as to who's going to be the favorite to win the division next Wednesday, based on who wins Vegas and Colorado in Vegas. If Vegas wins, then they'll be in a pretty good spot to take that first spot. If Colorado wins, they'll definitely have the advantage over them as well, but Vegas is going to be rested. They have three days off now, and Colorado is going to have another game against the Blues on Monday before they have one day off and then go to Vegas again. Ultimately, I don't think it's going to be that bad. They're professionals. They're in shape, and they just had, the, or at least the ones who are healthy, just had a sizable time off. But it's going to be a tough matchup, and it's almost a shame that we're not going to get both of them at the same time. And then we got to wait until the end of the season for the last one, but that just adds more importance to this one because you can't get it back for a few weeks if you ultimately drop it. But I think I think it's all going to work out in the end. It's just like, really, we lost one game. We lost one game, and now all of a sudden, we're falling behind in points percentage to Vegas, and now Minnesota is one point behind us. I know we have the two games in hand and everything, and I'm not ultimately worried about it, but it's like, come on. One game, we went on a 16-game point streak where we lost two overtime games, one with a ridiculous shootout loss and the other one just a back-and-forth overtime loss. And we, what, we've lost two regulation games to Minnesota and St. Louis where we've beaten both of them during that stretch. We've beaten St. Louis during this same stretch, what is it, four times now, five times now? Four times now. And we beat Minnesota the game before the 8-3 to loss as well. And those two losses really are going to be the difference right now, for the time being at least. Like, it's just, it's not enough. I And it's so annoying that it's not enough. It should be enough, but this division has two really good teams and a team that matches up really well against the other bad teams in this division. And the other teams are just so bad, there's no fight back against them like the sharks and the kings and the ducks like they can't hang with any of them so it's ultimate it's ultimately dumb i've said multiple times i can't wait to be done with the west division and just get to the playoffs hopefully get to the final four and get to next season where we can finally branch out and play other teams again and see a proper sample size of these teams again but for the time being we just have a just a few more of these stupid games to survive and get to where it matters which is the playoffs and we don't have to talk about this west division again but going to the avalanche's last two games they return from action from their covid pause rantanen goes on the list on monday a few days before the game against the blues byram comes off and in the recent days grubauer comes off so it is just 
Rantanen and Donskoy left on the list. We'll see what happens with that. But the Avalanche return and clinch a spot in the Stanley Cup playoffs with a 4-2 victory over the St. Louis Blues. No starting goalie, no number one goal scorer in Rantanen, and coming fresh off of an unexpected week off Really just no problem. They took care of business. This was a, a very impressive win, honestly. It wasn't the cleanest win in the world, but it was impressive nonetheless. The Blues, like I'll probably say a lot in this episode, a desperate team that need wins. Just to get sidetracked for a second here, like you look at the the recent stretches between the Coyotes, Blues, and Sharks, who I guess are in this final stretch for that final spot, None of them have above a 500 record in their last 10 games. The Coyotes are 3-7. and seven. They beat the Kings last night, which makes them look better. The Blues are 4-6. and six. They beat the Avalanche last game, so they're, that looks better than it was. It was 3-7 and seven coming in, and the Sharks are 1-8-1. and one. Like, sorry, but none of these teams scream playoffs to me right now. And if this was a normal season, I don't know if any of them are getting it right now. It's it's just more baffling to me how the Blues are even down there still. I know they've had their struggles this season, but come on, guys. Like, this is your competition right now, is the Coyotes and Sharks. And yeah, they have three games in hand and they're a point back. They're going to make the playoffs, but this shouldn't even be a, a thing. They should easily be in the playoffs right now without really much of an issue. It's just baffling to me that they're even down there. No one seems to want that spot. But getting back on track, the the Blues are desperate. They need wins. And this first game, at least, I liked a lot for the Avalanche. It seemed like early on maybe it wouldn't go their way. But ultimately, it ended up going their way. They give up the first goal to Jaden Schwartz on the Blues with a power play goal kind of early in the game. And they were playing well enough but they just couldn't get anything through until the final minute of the period where Brandon Saad gets a beautiful pass from Tyson Jost. Tyson Jost, by the way, who has just turned around his season entirely, he has turned into an outstanding player for this team. I was worried about like the third-line center spot. I am not anymore. Tyson Jost is an outstanding two-way player, and he is going to get protected in the expansion draft. He has turned into exactly what I wanted in a third-line center for this team. And he sets up Brandon Saad, who looks great with Jost, by the way. And that third line of Saad, Jost, and Nachushkin just has suddenly started clicking. We'll talk more about the second line, which I don't like in a moment. But Jost sets up Saad for the tying goal, and then all of a sudden, all the momentum goes back the avalanche's way. And in the second period, which is where they just dominate teams. The Avalanche are the best second period team in the NHL without question. They get a couple power play chances and they finally really start to move their legs. Andre Burakovsky cleans one up to give the Avalanche their first lead and they ultimately didn't score on any of the power plays but this was an excellent period for them. They finally come out on top and Burakovsky with a finally a, a solid game for him. I was if you remember the last episode I mentioned that I was a little worried about Burakovsky on that top line since he didn't look great on some stints earlier this season with the top guys, but he looked outstanding in both of these games, by the way, on the top line with McKinnon and Landeskog. He got to the front and he did what Burakovsky is supposed to do. 
which is just score some goals and set yourself up nicely. Like don't don't try to be something that you're not. Just be the player that you are. I feel like the problem with Burakovsky sometimes is like when something doesn't work, he tries to change what he is. He just if he just stays what he is, which is a sniper with underrated playmaking skills, he'll fit in perfectly on just about any line for this team. And that's what he did in this one. He gets two goals in this one to give them a 3-1 lead. And Devin Dubnik in this game was just quintessential Devin Dubnik where he makes outstanding saves. And right after he makes those outstanding saves, he lets in a, a terrible goal. That's what happens when Schwartz gets his second of the night to make it 3-2 again. And the Avalanche would just seal it with an empty netter. But this was, like, you wouldn't think the Avalanche even skipped a beat in this game. This just looked like a straight-up normal game. Like, if you didn't know Miko Rantanen wasn't there, I don't know if you really would have noticed all that much. The power play might have been improved a lot with Rantanen there. That's without question. They went one for five in this game, this first game without Rantanen. That's going to hopefully improve when Rantanen ultimately returns. But this, for a team that missed over a week with an unexpected pause again, and like, while it might have been great for them to rest their legs a little bit, it's still hard to find them right out the gate. All it really took was about 20 minutes, and they were right back in this. That's all it ultimately took, and their chemistry got going right away, and they, they really could have lost this game with no excuses, really, and just be like, ah, honest loss after a break, you desperate team, whatever. And that's kind of what happened in the second game. This game was a very, very weird one. This was a very roller coaster type game. First of all, I hate national broadcast games. They're so bad, especially when Pierre's on them, but they get on your nerves right away because they schedule the puck drop. Like, I'm on the East Coast, so for me, it's 3 o'clock. When it's a one, when it's supposed to be a one o'clock puck drop at local time, it's three o'clock for me, and this is the same thing with every single national game. They don't start on time, and I don't understand why they don't just start the game when they say so. If you're gonna have the little segment before the game where you like you catch up all the national broadcast viewers who might not be caught up on anything, like what's going on in the league and what this game is about, fine. But list the start time as 3.30. Stop lying and saying the game starts at 3 when it doesn't. Just say it starts at 3.30. Or just have your little show at 2.30 instead. I know that probably doesn't work broadcast-wise, but, like, just start the game when you say it's going to start. If it's going to start at 3.30, say it starts at 3.30, not at 3, where you have a 30-minute, basically, pregame show. When people are just like, just start the game already. You said 3 o'clock, or why are we not starting the game yet? It's a waste of time, and just just do what you're going to say. Just do what you say. You say 3, start it at 3. If it's not going to start at 3, start it at 3.30. And say you're starting it at 3.30. They just, like, it's such a waste of time. I hate when they do that. And that's your first impression right away. It's like, oh my god, it's 3.15. Are we dropping the puck anytime soon? The answer is no, and you're already annoyed, and puck drop hasn't even started yet. Then they drop the puck, and you realize you've been stuck with Pierre Maguire as the color analyst for John Forsland. And I gotta say, before we even talk about this game, I've listened to some national broadcasts this season with Forsland and Pierre. I have never heard less chemistry between two people in my entire life. And Pierre is completely oblivious to it. 
John Forslund just sounds like every time Pierre is like talking directly to him that he just never wants him to speak to him because it's so like out of context and just adds nothing to the game. Forslund is outstanding. I mean, he really should be like the new doc when it comes to the NHL now that old Doc Emmerich has retired. He should be calling the Stanley Cup final, but the fact that they stick him with Pierre is such like a waste because Pierre is very knowledgeable. He like he will beat anybody in hockey trivia, but like he's not a broadcaster. I don't know why we keep him in a broadcast role. He's like just so annoying and he doesn't fit the job at all. And you got to hear from him all game and his weird opinions and takes like it would just be better off if they like no one likes him. Nobody likes nobody likes him as a broadcaster. He's a fine person. He's just a like a weird dude. He's not like a bad person who doesn't know what he's talking about, but like he's not fit to be a broadcaster. I don't understand why they keep shoving him onto these national broadcasts when every time he's on, both sides are like, this is unbearable. You know you have a terrible national broadcast when both sides think you are biased against their teams because Pierre loves Ryan O'Reilly a lot, and he, there was a lot to love from O'Reilly in this game. He also loves physical teams. like he, So he loves the Blues, and he loves the Bruins, and he loves none of that. And with the Avalanche, it just seems like, ah, whatever, they're fast and whatever. But when they play the Blues, you know, Ryan O'Reilly, look at this steal he made, and we'll show him for five minutes. Like, this game was a love fest for the Blues. Both intermissions were Blues-focused, interviewing Ryan O'Reilly and something else about the Blues in the second period. I just did something else at the intermission at that point. But Pierre was all over the Blues, and... They're just, the national broadcasts need to be fixed. And hopefully with the ESPN deal, we can just get better hockey broadcasts because these are awful and they've been awful for a long time. And I just can't stand them anymore. But getting to the game, at least, the Avalanche came out in this game absolutely burning. They were up 2-0 early from McCarr and Landeskog. McCarr was dominant in the first five minutes, just looking like Bobby Orr. He converts with a power play goal and... Fails a wraparound that ultimately turns out to be a perfect pass to Gabe Landeskog to make it two to nothing. And this game just looks like it's gonna be a blowout. The Avalanche are all over them. But this game fell apart pretty quickly after that. They started off hot in the first four minutes, and by the end of the first period, they're down three to two. And it all starts. Ryan O'Reilly centers a puck and Devontae just shoots it into his own net. Like that's not exaggeration. Like he he didn't, like, he didn't wind up and shoot it. He was trying to get it out, but he he directed it into his own net, like, with what was basically a shooting motion. He pretty much scored into his own net. And then another play, Ivan Barbashev gets loose, and I'm sorry, that's the third goal. O'Reilly had two goals to tie this game. He gets around a a lot of people on the inside around McKinnon, and it looks like he's going to make a pass to... I can't even see who that is on the other side of the ice, but he ends up not passing it. Dubnik is just waiting for the pass and leaves the shot wide open, and O'Reilly just roofs a backhand over him, essentially into a wide-open cage. And now, all of a sudden, in less than three minutes, it's 2-2. Two to two. And then this one, the third goal, Ivan Barbashev... Dubnik just leaves a ton of juicy rebounds 
out in front, and Barbashev eventually buries one to make it 3-2. to two. And the Blues, they looked ready to go in this game. The Avalanche jumped on them early, but it seemed like that also made them take their foot off the gas as well. And the Blues are a desperate team. You could see how the two goals pissed off Ryan O'Reilly when they showed him on the bench after the 2-0 goal goes into the net. And before you really even blink, it's 2-2. And by the end of the first, it's 3-2 for the Blues. Like, you can't let off the gas at all in these games. And yes, it was there was a ton of bad luck involved. The Devontae's putting the puck into his own net. And Dubnik cheating over on the puck to just leave a wide-open net for Ryan O'Reilly. And then leaving way too many rebounds in front for the Barbashev goal. But there was a ton of turnovers here. Like, I bet Bednar had a field day at intermission with these guys just giving them shit over and over and over again but this was a track race of a first period i think he that was the term bednar used after the game and he was right this that they needed to settle down the game a little bit and they got excited that it was a two nothing lead early it seemed like it was going to be another blowout that they could build on and it really took until the second period to really settle things down. And the Avalanche would tie it in the second period. They dominated this second period, which, like they do all the time, Nathan McKinnon made it 3-3. Three to three. And they would continue to push forward. They hit a ton of posts in this game. Like, they, they hit at least two a period. It seems like they hit at least two a period in every single game this season. They, like, I don't know how I would find, like, the leader in posts this season for each team, but the Avalanche, they have to be first. It seems like they're hitting a post, like I said, at least twice a period. And they really, once again, should have done their signature, okay, it's the second period, time to score three or four goals and put this game away. And they scored one to tie it. And they hit a ton of posts in this one too. Even at the end of the first period, I totally just remembered this now, but in the closing 10 seconds, Devontae's hits a post, and Andre Burakovsky just a few seconds later hits a post as time expires. One of those goes in, it's a tie game, and assume nothing else changes, they're up 4-3 to three going into the third period. And like, even if, like, if just a few of those posts went in, they, they win this game, and we shrug it off as nothing. And the third period, it was back and forth, but really the, the death of the Avalanche in this game was penalties. The officials were bad in this game on both sides. Both sides. Let's make that very, very clear. But the initial call on Nazem Kadri about at the midway point of the third period for holding was awful. That was a terrible, terrible call. And I don't know if it was a makeup call for one like bad call that they had on the Blues earlier, but it was a terrible call. But the real death sentence was Ryan Graves taking a brain-dead tripping penalty behind the net. They they had 30 seconds left of this power play to kill, and now they have to kill 90 seconds of a 5-on-3. That ultimately lasted about 3 seconds as Mike Hoffman rifles home a one-timer in right off the face-off and puts the Blues ahead 4-3, to three, and they would stay ahead until the end of the game. They got The Avalanche got a late power play chance, of their own to try to tie this game up, but it was a bad power play, bad puck decisions, bad puck management. They never really got close. They had a one-timer that missed the net, and they 
pulled Dubnik later in the game to make it six on five, but you you could tell they were going to do nothing on it. They were going to not tie this game at all. They were making terrible decisions with the puck, and that's exactly what happened. Makar takes just a shot from the point that hits off of several players in front, doesn't even make it halfway towards the net, and Ryan O'Reilly redirects it off the boards to himself, a very smart play, and gets a hat trick to seal it for a 5-3 to three win. That was, a very, that was a very lucky hat trick when you really look at it. I mean, he didn't even shoot on the first goal he scored. Devontae's put it in the net for him. Devin Dubnik basically gave him the net on the second one because he was just cheating to the pass so much. And this one is an empty netter. Empty netter is an empty netter. It counts, but geez, my God. This, it was, it was a mixture of everything that you can talk about in a loss. It was, it was sloppy play. And you see people talking about that, like, oh, the Blues outworked them. And oh, the Blues did this and that. And the Abs didn't do that. And you've got the other side that is, this was bad luck. They hit posts all the time. The Blues got some bounces their way. And there was the expected goals crowd. Or you look at that, like the Avalanche, they had way more expected goals than the Blues. Like, I can never I can never remember what account does this. I think it's Money Puck. I'm pretty sure I'm wrong. But they do, like, if you simulate this game a million times, then the Avalanche win blank. So for this one, it was the deserve to win O-meter. After 500 simulations, the Avalanche win this game 84.8% of the time, and the Blues win it 15.2% of the time. And I believe that. The Avalanche, they played better than the Blues in this game. I do think the Blues worked a bit harder than they did, but like, guys, we're really spoiled right now. That's our second regulation loss in a month and a half, and it only is making us like clench up a bit because Vegas and Minnesota are red hot right now. But this was a mix of all of it. It was sloppy decision making and sloppy play, letting your foot off the gas, also some bad luck and your opponent capitalizing. Mike Kaufman totally capitalized on that terrible penalty from Ryan Graves on the five on three to give the Blues the lead. And Ryan O'Reilly capitalized on a bunch of mistakes for the Avalanche. I mean, he was all over McKinnon early on and stripped him of a lot of pucks. He took advantage of Dubnik cheating on the play to cover the pass and scored the second goal to tie it. No, they, they just took advantage of it. And like, this was just a loss. You lose games sometimes. You're going to. Every once in a while, you're going to lose a game because what I just said, like, you know, the Avalanche there, they win 84.8% of the time and the Blues win 15% of the time. Well, guess what? Sometimes a 15% chance hits. Sometimes it just happens. It's not a 0% chance. And the Avalanche, they have a lot of these games where you look at a deserve to win meter and expected goals and everything. And the Avalanche dominate those games. Like they're, they win 90% of the time or 70% of the time. And they, they ultimately do win. But every once in a while, that 15% chance is going to hit. And even if the Avalanche, they just cleaned up a few things in this game, they win. Maybe if Grubauer's in net, they win. Now, Dubnik was good in this game. I'm not going to sit here and blame him and say he was bad. There was a couple things he could have done better, but he kept, the, he, he kept them in it, which is all you can ask for. There were mistakes made by a lot of people on the team. You know, that's all you... You know, it just happens sometimes. Sometimes a 15% chance hits. You don't have your best game, but you stay in it. You take your foot off the gas against a desperate team. They take advantage, and you lose. 
That just happens sometimes. We have we have six games against the Blues this month. We've played five of them, and we're four and one. And if we win tomorrow night on Monday, then we finish the month five and one against the Blues. You look at that in the long run, that is not even a problem. And then in the final season series, we go six and two against a team that I think we're going to end up facing in the playoffs. So it's ultimately not a big deal in the bigger picture. It goes from 18-1-2 to 18-2-2, you know, whatever, right? Not Like, that's not even a concern when you really look at it. So, like, I think as long as they win tomorrow, it doesn't matter how they do it as long as they win, then you're still in a very good spot. You're going to hold off the Wild for a while longer until they have to start to play the Blues and the Golden Knights themselves. I mean... Where I look for my strength of schedule stuff, I go to Tankathon, and Tankathon has the Blues in easiest opponents for Vegas and Minnesota, but obviously St. Louis is much better recently, and they beat up on the, the Wild a few weeks ago. One of them was a 9-1 to victory for the Blues, so Minnesota's going to lose some of those games coming up, and that might put some distance between them as well, but... You lose sometimes. You lose you lose some games. When you play a team six times in a month, if you come out of that 6-0, and you are ecstatic. That is outstanding and unbelievable. How does that happen? Well, it doesn't. You lose one. Like, thankfully, I've seen a lot of people being rational about it and understanding, like, you just lose a game sometimes. We didn't play great. There are things we can fix. But you know what? It's good that that happened now and not happening in the first round. And you know what? That might This might just be what the first round looks like. I mean, if this was a playoff series, I know this is not how playoff series works, we would have already won the series. We're up 4-1 to one on them. We would have finished the series on the 22nd with a 4-0 sweep. So, in a playoff series against the Blues, if it happens that way, we're going to be fine. You're going to lose games and I'm, I'm glad we're not losing our heads over this one loss. Yes, it didn't look great, and, but you'll figure it out. You'll figure it out in the next one. Then you got your big game against Vegas, where then then you can start to make some real judgments about this team after that. If they lose that game, okay, now you're kind of in trouble, and now you're looking at, okay, now we're probably going to have to play Minnesota in the first round. If we get out of that, then we're going to have to go on the road to play Vegas in the second round. Then you're probably looking at that. If you beat them, you can be pretty confident that you're going to get first in the division. You still got one to play against Vegas, but in a split, you're at least guaranteeing yourself the victory in the season series against the Golden Knights. Because we, with the overtime loss, even if you guys go 4-4, four and four, you did get that extra point, so you'll finish the season series with one point on them. So you'd still be in a good spot. And then you've got, obviously, your eight games against the Sharks and Kings. You really should not lose any of those games. Like, really, like, I'm trying to think of an excuse to, like, maybe you lose one of them. But even if they lose one, that's that's a tough pill to swallow, considering how well Vegas has beat up on all of them recently. Like, that, like this is your ticket right here. After Vegas, you've got six straight against them, like, why can't you go on a six-game winning streak? I see no reason as to why they can't go on a six-game winning streak. And then very end of the season, after your random matchup against Vegas on the 10th, you got a back-to-back against the Kings. So I really don't see any way that they finish worse than second 
in the division. And this this game really didn't change a lot of my opinions. You know, it was sloppy. You're not going to win every single game. You're not going to play perfectly every single game. You don't have your starting goalie. You don't have your number one goal scorer. And, you know, maybe on some of those power plays later in the game, Rantanen makes a difference there. And maybe they do tie it, or maybe they score on one of them earlier on in the game, and this game looks different. But, you know, it's all it's all just butts at this point. We're just... It's all just making things up at this point. It Ultimately, it's fine. They're going to be fine. This loss, not really a big deal, as long as it doesn't turn into things. The one thing I do have at least moderate concern about is their first periods are not good, and they haven't been good for a while. Yes, they started off hot in this one, but it really gets outmeasured by they were they came out of the period losing because the blues were pushing them around a bit and outskating them and it happened in the first game against the blues the blues got off to an early lead ultimately we tied it before the end of the first but like you go you go back weeks you go back to even the first games against St. Louis this month I didn't like how they started those games and they got away with it I didn't like how they started the first game against Minnesota they got away with it barely the second game against Minnesota, they did not get away with it at all, and Minnesota made them pay. And even in Arizona, to an extent, like I thought they got away with one there. And I'd say in just about every Blues game, I feel like they've gotten away with some bad starts, and they didn't in this one either. So I think that's one thing that needs to be fixed coming into these big games and obviously into the playoffs because you, you can't start these games down one nothing. If you play like that in the playoffs, you're going to basically be giving up the first goal every single night. Like, I'd want to see their second period performances where they dominate teams just spread out over the game. Like, okay, you outshoot someone 15-1 to in the second period. Well, that's not going to matter if that those are the only 20 minutes you play. Sometimes in the regular season, you get away with that a lot, and they've gotten away with it against the Blues even. But it's, that's just the one thing I can think of that I'd want to see fixed at least sometime soon, especially against Vegas and heading into the playoffs. Another thing that kind of stuck out to me and people are really starting to take notice of, like people have been like groaning about it for a little bit, but like thinking it'll get fixed soon. But that's Nazem Kadri. Nazem Kadri is ice cold right now, and he's he's been having a rough go of it this season. There were some times where it seemed like he was going to break back out again but he is on a a vicious drought he hasn't scored a point since april 5th against minnesota and he has not scored a goal since march 22nd against the arizona coyotes he has been starving for a goal ever since the avalanche went on their hot streak like let's say march 8th is when they started their i count that one even though it was a loss because they totally dominated Arizona in that game, so I'll count that as when they turned a corner. So ever since then, he has one, two, three, four goals. That's it. Yeah, like I'm not counting that wrong. That's it. He has one four-point game sprinkled in there against the Ducks, where the Ducks were just wanting to kick his ass all the time. But ever since that game, a four-point game against the Ducks, he has one goal, his final goal, and then... Three, three assists. So he's one goal and three assists since that four-point game. Like, he's just been ice cold lately. And this second line, I don't like. Carl Soderberg, I haven't really seen anything I really like out about Carl Soderberg yet. I didn't think we acquired him to put him on the second line. And 
I really say our third line right now really is our second line of Saad, Josten, Nachushkin. Those guys are rolling. Second line right now is Carl Soderberg, Nazem Kadri, and JT Comfer. Comfer has been much better as of late, much, much better than he was earlier in the season, but still not great, still not enough to be protected in the expansion draft. Carl Soderberg, maybe he just needs to get more settled in here, but I just haven't seen a ton to be impressed by yet. And Kadri, like we've been talking about, is ice cold. This is a really brutal stretch for him. I mean, we're looking at 45 games so far this season. He has 28 points. And for a second-line center, you're hoping for more than that. He's a minus 6. I don't put any stock into plus-minus, but if you do, he's a minus 6. And... I don't know. I don't know what it is with him. Like it's it's gone so under the radar for so long. I haven't even really considered it. Like I just felt like, oh, well, he hasn't scored in a little bit, but whatever. He'll turn it around. But now we're getting to the point where it's like, oh, this is not changing. He is not scoring. He is not even putting up assists anytime soon. Like it's concerning. It's really, really concerning to look at. And I hope he can turn it around in these big games and towards the playoffs because there can be no passengers, especially in the top six. Your second line center against Vegas and down the stretch and especially in the playoffs where there's nowhere to hide, you're going to need him to to figure out this slump soon because if he doesn't, that's going to be a weakness for this team. That's like our advantage over Vegas is that we have better center depth than them. Like they have Chandler Stevenson on the top line. We have McKinnon, Kadri, and Jost. But if Kadri's not there, then that's going to be some tough ground to make up. And just, I don't like the second line. When people come back, it's going to be fixed. Like when Donskoy and Rantanen come back, like all these lines are going to start to be balanced out a little bit. Burakovsky's going to go back down to that second line. We'll see what happens with Saad. I don't know. That that third line looks like it's working pretty well. Maybe Donskoy will end up coming up to play on that second line with Kadri and Burakovsky. But it's too early to tell right now. Or maybe you move Burakovsky to the, the left wing and put Donskoy on the right wing. Too early to tell still. But Kadri is just going to have to figure it out. I, I had a feeling last game that he was going to score the game winner. Ultimately, I was wrong on both counts because he didn't score it, and it wasn't even the avalanche. But I, I feel like he's going to have some breakout soon where he just scores two goals in a game. One of them's a huge goal, and then he, we'll just be back for the rest of the season. Like he, I can't help but feel like he'll show up for the playoffs. Like that, Like, that's where he thrives, really. That's where he thrived last season, especially, like, because if he doesn't, like, that's that's going to be tough to make up. Like, that's that can be the difference between winning the Stanley Cup and not, is if your second-line center is not there, someone's going to need to pick up that slack. Because that's your top six. There's nowhere to hide in the playoffs if he's not going to be there. I feel like he's going to turn it around soon, but I just... it's His numbers are tough to look at lately, and his... Goals above average earlier in the season were last in the NHL. I'm sorry, above expected were last in the league. So hopefully he can turn that around soon. It's crazy to think that this team just even has a cadre right now who's ice cold and just can fly under the radar because the team's 18-2-2 in their last 22 games. But if he can turn it around, though, our odds will be even better. 
So even with the loss to St. Louis, like the Avalanche are still basically top in the league in every metric. Expected goals for still number one by 5%, may I add, over the Maple Leafs and the Islanders. Expected goals for over 60. The Golden Knights are number one now at 2.8. Hurricanes 2, Avalanche at third with 2.65. And expected goals against Avalanche are 1.75, still better than the Stars and the Bruins. And that last game against St. Louis was an uncharacteristically just poor game from the Avalanche's defense. Like, they they'll be better in the future, or at very least I hope so, because if that's how it's going to look, then that those numbers are going to come crashing down very, very soon. But people are going to start to come back into the lineup. Ranton hopefully is going to be back soon once he finishes up these tests. Hopefully he doesn't test positive for anything, and Donskoy can come back. And Grubauer is off the list, like I mentioned earlier in the episode, but they still have to put him through cardiac testing and making sure he can get back in shape so I he's not going to play against the Blues tomorrow I suspect Dubnik is going to get another one but maybe he comes back against Vegas I certainly hope so but it's a rough scenario either way because you're putting in a goalie who hasn't played in two weeks over two weeks against your equal in the west and maybe he comes back refreshed, maybe he's not 100%, maybe he's just rusty and doesn't have a great game, or your other option is you put in Devin Dubnik, who's done fine, he's done just fine against the Blues, but I'm not thrilled about him playing against Vegas. I think we can all be in agreement about that at least. I'm not thrilled about Devin Dubnik taking on Vegas. I mean, he's like I said, he's been fine, but that's just not what we acquired him for. I mean, if if he has to, fine, but it's a rough decision to make either way. I don't envy Bednar having to make that decision here, but that wraps up the last two games that the Avalanche have played on Monday night. They'll play the Blues for the final time this season and for the sixth time this month, and if they win it, they'll finish it 6-2. and two. On the season series, they lose, they'll go 5-3, and three, dropping the last two, but ultimately a season series win. And they will play the Golden Knights on Wednesday in what, so far, is going to be the biggest game of the season. Obviously going to change once you get to the final stretch on the 10th of May against Vegas. That'll be your biggest game of the season. Granted, one team hasn't pulled away. But yeah, you're going to see a lot of what this team is made of. This is their last stretch, two-game stretch of important games where this could realistically be our path to the Final Four where you have to go through St. Louis and you have to go through Vegas. We'll see how they bounce back from a loss against the Blues last game. I, I think they're going to win this one. I don't think they'll have that same poor performance twice. And against Vegas, we'll have to see. It's gonna be a, it's gonna be a fun fun game. I mean, I don't know if I'll be able to put up an episode after the game since this game is 9:30 Eastern for me. Maybe I'll end up doing a combined one where I record before and after. But you're gonna find out what you need to know about the Avalanche and just how they can stand up to these guys in these next two games. I think they'll win the at least seven of the eight games against the Sharks and the Kings, and 
After that, it's just one game against Vegas. So I I would enjoy these two games while they last because you're going to have to go through a little bit of a stretch where things are going to be getting a little boring, especially if the Avalanche beat up on those two teams the way I'm expecting them to. I mean, this season's really just winding down now. We're really getting to the end of it. I mean, you want to know how ridiculous the West is. There are three teams that have clinched a playoff spot in the NHL, and that is Vegas, Colorado, and Minnesota because they are 20 points clear of essentially everybody else. Vegas is 23 points clear of Arizona for fourth. Colorado is 19 points clear, and Minnesota is 18 points clear of just fourth place. These three teams are in a complete other league than these four. It's not even a competition. Like, even Carolina hasn't clinched yet, and I I think they can tomorrow, but it's just, it shows how much more skewed this division is than all the others that we're the first three teams to clinch a playoff spot, even though we're all in the same division. And like Minnesota, like they're not even, they're sixth in the league now. If you go to points percentage, they're actually fourth in the league now. Like Carolina hasn't clinched yet. The Capitals haven't clinched. The Panthers haven't clinched. Even Tampa Bay hasn't clinched. Even Toronto hasn't clinched yet. Like there's just such a difference between Vegas, Colorado, and Minnesota and the final five teams in the league. It's kind of a joke. It's just not a good division at all. And I think it's really skewing some of these numbers. They're just... St. Louis is good. I think they're better than their record and they're going to make the playoffs, but it's just been a mess of a division. No real challenges outside of those top three. And like a lot of these other divisions aren't perfect, but there's at least some competition taking place here. I mean, the Canadian division, like the Habs are four points up on Calgary and they're eight points up on Vancouver, but like Calgary still has a fighting chance to get in. Vancouver still has a fighting chance. Pretty sure Toronto's going to clinch very soon, but like there's at least competition between those bottom-ish teams. Like, and the East is a dogfight. Like it's six points between Washington and Boston for fourth, and Boston has two games in hand. So that's that's no one's going to clinch any spots in that. But the Rangers are six points out. They're at least a solid team that I think is going to make the playoffs next season. The Flyers had a hot start, but they're bad now, so they're at least still sticking around and holding teams back from clinching. New Jersey Buffalo haven't been in it from day one, but. And the entire Central Division outside of the top three is pretty bad, but like not bad enough to be on level of the West. Nashville, Dallas, Chicago are at least still like, eh, well, if they win out then and the other teams lose out, then they can still fall out. But like, how sad is it that Columbus has now fallen behind Detroit in the Central Division? That team sucks this season. They're 1-8-1 and one in their last 10 games. That is a disaster. I mean, there's no point firing Tortorella because he's gone at the end of the season. So just the West, three good teams. We like Maybe Minnesota's not even that good, but they're a good team. No doubt about that, getting great goaltending. But like the rest of this division is a joke. And Minnesota, like they've barely played the Blues yet. They've played them like three, four times, and they've split the two. So that 
barely counts to anything. Like they've, I've watched them play Arizona, San Jose, and LA. Like they crush those teams. Like is what I feared coming into this season. That like there's just gonna be massacres, and that's essentially what's happened here. But by the next episode, there's gonna be a bunch of other teams that clinched. But it's just funny that it's the first three teams are in the West. It just shows how skewed this division is. And I know Vegas technically clinched their spot first, but technically Colorado clinched it in fewer games than they did. I saw, I see like, oh, the Avalanche are the second team to clinch a spot in the Stanley Cup playoffs. Like, okay, okay maybe in terms of like time, but in terms of games played, technically they clinched a spot faster than Vegas did, but that's all just semantics and complaining at this point anyway. But I think that's going to do it for this episode of the Tell It As It Is podcast on the Hockey Podcast Network. Thank you so much for tuning in. As always, follow me on Twitter at NHL and follow the show at Tell It As It Is. I've been your host, Griffin Youngs. Thank you so much for tuning in, and I will catch you all next time. Have a great first half of your week.